Welcome. I'm John C. Savage. And I'm Claudia F. Savage. And, and we're, we're Thick in the, the Throat, throat Honey. Honey. The podcast where parent artists share how to fit art making into their already full lives. Inspirational quickies in under 30 minutes. This is a weird edition of Thick in the Third Honey's podcast because I'm here by myself at Mineral School in Mineral, Washington. Woo-hoo! Yay! Yeah. Yeah, so exciting. Um, and John's not with me because this is a parent artist week for Mineral School. So it's a week that we get without our partners and without our kids. And it's kind of amazing. Um, and there were four of us here originally. Um, but Rob has now parted and he did not want to be on my podcast. That's okay, Rob. I get it. You know, it's all right. All right. Whatever. Um, so, um, but I am here with the wonderful Grace Campbell Lewis. Hi, Grace. Hi. Yay. From Olympia. And also with Laura Stanfield, who some of you who will know from Portland that she runs the wonderful Forest Avenue Press. And she's also a fiction writer. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you didn't know that. She does it all. She kind of does one all. of everything. One of everything. A little essay, a little more. that. Sometimes little more. this, little that. Little yeah. that. And Grace, so you write mostly flash stuff, right? I write flash. Um, I started with my friend Temba and Sarah a little project called Black River Press, mm. and I read nonfiction for five by five. So those are my main jams. Those are your main things. Okay. So we're just. I mean, this is the thing. It's like um, I wasn't sure about doing this for everybody. Like I kind of wanted to, I mean, the conversations we were having, let's let me back up. The conversations we've been having have been super intense and super great Yeah. and feel in many ways to me, like the thrust of the parent art ex- artist experience, which also often means they are not for public consumption. <laughs> Cause this yeah. is like really deep stuff that we deal with. Um, whether we're talking about our kids or not. And so, um, I mean, one of the questions I always ask people is kind of like, how has your, how has your life shifted dramatically? Like, were you a writer before you had children? I was. Yeah. Okay. I, I was a writer before, but, um, I, I, I had to unlearn the way that I was, had written before because I, I took up my whole practice of writing the whole way that I, I made sense of it. It just completely changed because I used to take up a lot of space sort of meandering around in what I wrote. It was much, I wrote much more about things that were really, um, my own interior. There wasn't really a sense of urgency to anything except for a sense of urgency that I contrived for some weird poetic purpose. You know, it's like things didn't have the kind of, um, the kind of structure, the kind of intensity. Everything was framed differently. And I mean, in the most obvious sense, it's like once you have kids around, you you can't really meander. You have to really structure your whole the whole uh-huh. the whole essence of your free quote unquote free time differently because you might not have another spot of free time again for a really long time. So when you sit down to write, it, it, the way that you write changes according to that too. Like right, the last time I went to go pick out a pair of glasses, I it was in Fremont, Seattle, <laughs> and I went in and I was like, 
those look pretty good. Right. I mean, under under, like under five. Minutes. Right. I was just going to say like under 10 minutes. Like you're like, boom, for, done. For before, <laughs> literally be maybe an hour. And then I'll go back again and be like, mm, you know, well, I can, I'm not that person anymore. Right. right. I'm like, those are good. And we're going to get the fuck out of here because someone's about to pee their pants. So. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a child, but I'm just going to throw them under the bus. No, I was just going to say, this is this is part of it. Because, Laura, you explained the situation where you were like, I have my baby with me. Oh, my God, I got to change my baby's diaper. Okay, now I can't. I mean, and this is not, I just just to say, this is not the thrust of this podcast. Like, a lot of people are kind of like, I just want to talk about my practice. And I'm like, I get it. But there's also the sense of, like, we have to acknowledge that, like, it's much fuller Right. Making space for ourselves as artists in the world when our children are physically taking up all of the space around Mm -hmm. us. It's really hard. And I've I've always been a writer as well. uh, And I would write for four hours. I would set aside four hours or wake up two hours early and nobody interrupted me. I mean, I think that's similar to Mm -hmm. what the hell are we even writing? (laughs) I know. And well, that's what are we doing? I want to (laughs) turn. There was some writing and some yeah. masturbating. I don't know. It was just weird. It was like not you know, like put on music and be like, that's right. <laughs> Whatever you're saying. Well, I wanted to riff off of that because I've always been really focused on the sentences yeah. and the craft and yeah. knowing I wanted to put myself out as words because I had trouble taking up space as a human being. But Oof. one of the things we've talked about and one of the things I think about a lot is how when you have children you really can't hide because there's your kid running out of the house, not wearing anything uh, and sticking her rear end in a Home Depot bucket that's, that's that has me. water in it. I do those things. And so I do all those it's things. like, it's my I kids. Can't. <laughs> my kids <laughs> your kids look at you like, Mom? Thanks for the idea, Mom. Grace slash performance artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I love it. I love it. No, it's true. I think, I, I mean, for me, I, I just... I got braver. Yeah. I immediately was like, I have a daughter. I want to show her what it is for a woman to have a big voice. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a lot of what we've been talking about. It's like what we're dealing with currently in our world is just kind of like, we think that women have had a voice, but actually no, it's Mm -hmm. just starting to shift. Yeah. Um, I think we all collectively thought in this most recent wave of, uh, the cultural focus being brought back to the inequities, the mm-hmm. gender inequities. I think we we originally thought like there were going to be these these we used to call them in my old circle edge walkers. Like there were going to be these edge walkers that would go out and do the work, and then we'd all get to like chill for a while. But that is not the way that it's happened. No. I think what's so terrifying is that it we're realizing like, oh man, this is going to be a lot deeper. This is going to be a lot more intense. This is going to cause me to remember things. And this is going to cause me to articulate them. And this is going to cause me to come up with new words because there are not existent words that, that cover the scope of this, that represent it accurately. Yeah. And that's scary. It's super scary. I, I mean, especially you like yeah. we all have daughters. Like, yep. uh-huh. are you going to be carrying this too? Yes. Like, I kind of want to clean this shit up before <laughs> you come of age. You know what I mean? Well, right. I mean, don't you sometimes laugh? I mean, sometimes I think about like suffragettes. I mean, I know that's like a whole mm-hmm. other, but I do think about them like in terms of they really thought like, oh, if only we get to vote, like we'll be good. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? How like, little, how right. little we've, we've known collectively. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. My daughter has a really big voice and presence in the world and she's made me get bigger. It's it's been a combination of her coming into her skin. Mm-hmm. She's always known who she was. She's she she just came out like that. She knows right. exactly who she is. And she's stretched me to sort of, it's like I've been all skin and bones, but now I'm taking up the space between each muscle mm-hmm. with my voice mm-hmm. because she is out there doing that work. And I need to be part of the change. We can't be edge walkers. We're walking straight through the middle of it in circles around the middle of it. We are right. zigzagging. We are Jumping up and down, screaming, we are raging. We have to. People in a Home Depot parking lot. I mean, that too. Yeah. Let's not forget about moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, and for, I was like, it yeah. takes all the right. like, 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 oh, you don't mean that as a metaphor. You mean like, oh. Like, literally. But but <laughs> there, is some, there is something there. Is there a Home Depot? You know, for all you people who haven't done an artist residency, because I know there's a lot of artists that listen to this podcast, um, I just want to tell you that um, it's true. All the rumors are true, actually. It's yeah. pretty much just. Yeah. naked people That's running right. around doing yeah. drugs. That's yeah. pretty much what happens. Oh, sorry, Jane, who runs Menor School, but still. No, we puppy so piled so many times this week. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm getting a cramp. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, oh, no. But I mean, I think part of the, I mean, you know, speaking of space, so the interesting thing about the space is that it's huge. We're in a school. What was a school? Yeah which has a lot of psychic energy in, in it anyway, this sort of notion of like, we're here to learn. And there's also just all the aspects of like how children interact with each other, which I think is really intense. And I've been thinking about that, like the dwindling population here in mineral and those kinds of things. But mostly I've been thinking about how important it is since Rob did not join us for this podcast. We can just go there. I've been thinking about how important it is for women specifically to have residencies when they're artists, to have that time to totally be in their heads. Yeah. And work through whatever they need to work through. Um, and I've been wondering, like, how interesting it is to go back to um, our families and sort of go, okay, so what is it? What is the experience that I can, you know, because my daughter's been like, I miss you, I miss you, I miss you. Um, but I never witnessed my mother ever take time for herself in this way. Like, ever. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But also, you know, it's not, I get really resentful of the culture of self-care in the sense that, well, one, it's it's privatized, and two, it's commodified. It means you have to go get a massage, or you have to yes. buy a, a certain kind of lotion to put on your face, or whatever. So th- there's that aspect of it that frustrates me. But additionally, somehow everybody keeps tap dancing around the elephant in the room, which is you're all sort of decrying my lack of taking time for myself, but nobody is stepping in and doing the necessary mechanizations required to keep the whole ship of my domestic mm-hmm. space afloat. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That's right. It's like, why don't you just take an hour off? Why don't you go do that? It's like one hour means one hour less of me multitasking, doing all the invisible things that it takes to keep everything running so that I might be able to escape later on and get one hour of writing done during which time I'll be totally recalibrating to just having time alone. Right, and writing you, might may or may not even happen. Right, it takes space. you that thirty minutes. See, that's the yeah. thing. That's, and then when you come back, you have to do the emotional labor of mm-hmm. having been gone, gone and coming back into the situation, recognize yeah. the energy that your ch- your children have been spending with each other or at school. Yes. Um, even with an hour, you yes. come back in, and then it's you pick up your tasks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how and, and how she, and, and the emotional piece because I I didn't mention this, but there was a, a really wonderful woman who who um, cooked for us while we were here. And her name, hold on, I got it here. 
Her name was Valerie Cashman. And she, um, Val was just amazing. And one of the things I remember, um, she has two children. Um, and one of the things I remember is that she had one day where she was able to, she was writing, cooking for us, taking care of us. But then she went and had a phone call with her family and that it like, she had to like process that almost the whole night. Like she didn't sleep. And I think this is the, this is the thing that I really feel like, whoa, I used to take so much private emotional space for myself before I would engage my heart, you know, like I would, I would take all this and I didn't even realize it. I mean, I thought, oh yeah, there's the, mm. I'm going to take a nice walk and then yes. I'm gonna, no, but it was actually like I, before I even took that walk, before I did any of those things, I would be driving home from work or whatever it was. And then I like had all this space where nobody was asking anything of me. Mm-hmm. Then I could write. Yes. Yes. Right? I think what you just said is so critical because we were talking about Lauren Groff and Florida and Fates and Furies or whatever earlier. And um, you said something that, uh, Laura, that really struck me that, well, collectively, these, these two things, how I, the way that I like to write, I put a lot of emphasis on the sentence as a mini poetic structure that lives inside of this larger landscape I create. Um, and so my preferred way of working, like what you're talking about with having the walk and all these different levels of calibration or whatever, my preferred way of working is to be multivalent during that first setting. The first time I engage a brand new piece, the first time I'm drafting it, I'm thinking about, um, how the cadence of each sentence is going to be slightly different or uh, how the arc is going to start situationally in the middle and spread forward and backward. I want to be thinking about all, this is my preferred way is what I'm saying. I want to be thinking about all of those things from the moment I engage the piece. But when you only have an hour, you're not, you're going to get one fucking sentence done. You know what I mean? So I've had to relearn how to come at my own practice. And it's frustrating because I don't want to write that way. I don't want to just draft it out in, um, on a sort of base level of sentence structure that all sounds repetitive to me. I want to be going back and forth, writing two sentences, then rereading them three or four times, then moving on to the next sentence. You know, that's the way that I want to work. But I, I think that women have to engage a kind of triage mentality because what's going to happen is I'm not going to get to the structural level or the poetic level or the musicality um, bit of it until three or four or five times later. And that might be a month later. And the whole time I feel this pressure of like, how am I going to get more work done? How am I going to establish myself, put myself out there if I operate at this pace, but you look everywhere in culture and they're just like, I don't know, figure it out. Oh, by the way, self-care. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, go and get that lotion. Yeah. Go, go get, get that lotion. Go get your yeah. self everything. Because, uh, the self-care also equates to, do you look good? Right. It's totally <laughs> like, do you look good? Oh, if you look good, you must be good. You know, like there's also that whole piece. Like, it's like, oh, you must not need any help. Oh, you're, you're a badass. I can't, there's a woman, there's a Seattle poet whose name is not, I've not forgotten that was talking about like, people are all like, wow, you put out like three books in one year. She's like, no, I, my, they managed to get done there, but I'm a single mom. And like, I've been working on this forever. Right. right. And haven't had a space to like, oh, um, you know, get it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I've been thinking a lot about how we change as we write and how process is definitely affected by having children. But also I started my novel 11 years ago and I finished it here in this sacred space with all of you, the final, final before it goes out to New York. And yes, totally. It's, 
part of part of it is like, oh yeah, I've been working on this for 11 years, but I'm the same way about sentence structure. And I think, I mean, I joke about it, but it's true. I brought chapter two to my writing group for an entire year because Whoa. I didn't know how to do this voice I was working on. And I also mm-hmm. didn't yeah. really dig into understanding what I wanted to write about. And then meanwhile, I had children at all different ages. I had mm-hmm. I had a baby when I started this book Whoa. and now she's in middle school and she has a little sister and I just, who I am as a human being, them walking around and Chris, they have, has crystallized who I want to be in the world, who they need as a mother, who I want to be as an artist, what my material is and the stakes stakes. back to, back to what we're talking about. It's so, so I'm starting this new project and writing little pieces. And part of me just wants to just part of me wants to take a lot of care and mm-hmm. set it up right. And the other part of me is like, nope, it's go time. I don't have any, I don't have 11 years. So I don't know how my process will evolve, but yes. it's been a little right. bit frenetic right. despite having 12 hours, That's well, right. really 24 That's hours right. a day here. Yeah. But, the, but again, the integration, I mean, before, before I had kids, when I would do a residency, I'm like, Oh, I need three weeks because that first week, you know, you just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. You're just oh kind of picking your ass, whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, you're not doing anything. Plus we're all over 42, right? Yeah. Like, so that that's, matters. Oh my I God, think... you're outing us, Grace. You're outing us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm mentally on 12. So that's got to count for something. Uh, yeah. But... but but I feel everything so differently in terms of, uh, you know, I don't have long scans of years ahead of me. Yeah. Long scans that's of right. decades the way that I did before. Um, and also being aware of the fact that culturally women, by the time they're 35, mostly we're, mm-hmm. we're done, we're done making them visible. We're done giving them a voice. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different in the literary world, but still, I, I mean, we feel that on us and that impedes our creative process. Yes. That impedes the way that we feel like we can take up space. I, I, I mean, I've, I've seen, um, I've seen writers lecture about approaching the page as a shame-free space where you can, you know, unfurl and just say whatever you want to say. And almost every single man, almost uh-huh. every single one of them has been, it's a, man. been a man. Yeah. And right. I look at them and I think, you you will never know what it means no. to feel unauthorized to occupy your own space. Like that's the work of my entire life, this thing yeah. that you have arrived at. That's right. And also, I'm just going to say it. I mean, we... We talked very briefly about this, but there's, there's a level of like, I want to protect my daughter. Like I have to be careful. Yes. I feel a absolutely. sense of both empowerment. Like I want to be, a, I want to occupy as much space as possible, be as loud as possible for her yes. as much as I can. Right. You need but, a template. but then also, I also have this sense of like, I don't know that I want to include her in anything I write, even though it's my <laughs> life. Like I'm, I'm really protective of her emotional processing because, you know, this is part of it is like. What was it? A friend of mine told me, she's like, no, you know, she's a fiction writer. She's like, never say anything you don't want on the page in front of me. I'm like, whoa, you know, like, cause she just, she takes it in. And so she's like, I'm sorry that my character said what you just said. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I think part of that is, um, that's like a normal thing for a writer, right? We're taking in our experience and we're talking about it and whatever. Yeah. But, um, I have been writing, you know, loads of things about my daughter's late walking and, um, some of the issues she had. And I kind of, am like, wait a minute, she's six. Like, do I want to put this in the world? Like she's just finally in her body. Like, do I want to 
even if she doesn't see it now, even, yeah. I mean, she can't read, but even if like, even if she sees it like six years from now, like, do I want her to think that, Oh, that's what my mother, that's what she was focusing on. She wasn't focusing on me growing as a human. She was focusing on this traumatic thing that happened to me. And so it's, I mean, I think that's, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for all men, but I don't know that certain people worry about that as much as mothers do. I worry about it a lot. I've been doing writing in part to hold my older daughter's history for yes, her, right. to hold space for it so she can never go back. And I feel like it's been erased by culture. I feel like it's been erased because she doesn't remember. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's some of the best writing I've ever done. Uh-huh. And I don't want to share it because sharing it is sharing her and even if she says yes, she's not 18. She doesn't know what it means to be on social media even. So That's many what of I mean. Her, they don't get so it. So many of her peers yeah. are on it. She's yeah. not yet. Right. And How old is she? 11? She's 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just... On the other hand, this is how we bury women's stories. Totally. I agree. And so I'm it's... aware of that. Di- I'm aware of wanting to be a voice because of what happened to her. I'm, I'm aware of right. wanting to open up space for her. Right. And as an adult who happens to know how to use words, that's a way mm. I can, I can process with her. Um, but I don't want to put that out. So what a big thing that we've done is, is write together where I ask her questions and she writes. That's great. That is an awesome that's, And that's, idea. that's yes. because we're preserving her history cool. and giving her a voice. And, that. you know, I wrote a whole piece that held her words in its, in its paragraphs. I wanted it to be about her. Right. And I shared a little piece with a very private group of people I trust in my writing group. Yeah. And they said, but this is your experience too. You're a mother. Right. And I was I like, no, that's... it's hers. But it's, it, you know, there's that, there's always that too. Because... I think that is a, a really essential question to get right into the, the fabric of, because I don't write about my children. I don't publish things about them. I don't, I don't, um, I don't document their lives on social media at right. all. Like right. I have, I have really strict boundaries around um, not violating the sanctity of their own, their own right to have their own private upbringing, to have their own private yep. experience. Absolutely. And, but yet um, at a certain point on a certain level, it's like, I am also a woman and a mother and raising children has been my work. It's been my experience. It's been my story. And for for me personally, I think part of the reason I don't write about them is because I don't trust myself enough to not co-opt their story and say, well, this is my experience, but actually it's me writing out who I think they might be and sort of coming to a resolution. So I don't, I don't know how to resolve those things. And I'm not saying that I will never write about them because I will. But right now I focus on my own history because there's so much for me to unthread there. And I mean, nonfiction is the majority of what I write. So I just, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, working on a bunch of different fronts, but none of them are about my children. And that's fascinating to me because see, this is the thing that I, yeah, I'm still working through. I never thought about it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But we're still in a cultural moment from the time you're pregnant. We are still in this cultural moment of all of a sudden it's all about your children. Yeah. And there is a constant, I think, push. That's right. To go to con- like, I, I respect both situations. Like I respect right. women who are like, I don't want to talk about my kids at all. Yeah. And I also respect women who are like, I brought them. Here they are. Yeah, like, I'm this awe, is my man. life. Yeah, I, yeah, I am too. I'm a, in a professional situation when I go out right. and I'm a book publisher 
that's what you see. Right. And, and you don't want to talk about, yeah, you're, you're diminished for it. See, well, that's, that's the thing. You are diminished for it. I think that that's something that's been really lovely that's come out of this week is I feel like it's been a really organic oscillation kind of, you know, there have been moments where we've all been joking about things that have happened to us with yeah. our children. And there are moments where we're talking about things that we would not say in front of our children. Absolutely. Right. And just to be able to, to move between those spaces and in a really natural way. Yeah. It makes me feel safe because I often am in social situations where I reject the narrative of the girl. I don't, I feel like I often don't fit in with other women. Mm-hmm. I feel like I often don't fit in with other parents because the narratives that everyone has adopted around the way that we talk about parenting, they, they feel really pat to me. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm super triggered by other parents because of, of things that my family has gone through. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to be around other parents who aren't having these conversations or have empowered their children to feel better about themselves than anybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. And so I just shut down and I want to talk to the parents. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple mom friends who I can stand next to on the playground and mm-hmm. I feel like I can make it through. Um, but every day I pick them up, it's triggering to be around people whose narratives are so, they're so sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes me angry too. They're so, yes. this is, this is my great security. children. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. They're freaking the fuck out on me. <laughs> but, but they're still, you know, perpetuating this, this oh, myth, yeah. Yeah. which we're all supposed to live within. And my family happens not to. And I think... Part of the work I've done this week is going from the intellectual thinking of the, you know, working on the page, but also back into my body. Mm -hmm. Because as a parent, you, especially the two of you, Grace and, um, and Claudia have been talking about bodies and being in the world as a human being. And I'm like, look there, behold, it's my arm. That is Behold, so, it's my other arm. Well, it's like Claudia's piece, like this and this. This. And I mean, that was like, I, oh, that struck me so, so hard because it was like, the more that you actually make contact with your own body, the more you're aware of how amazing it is that you are in this body at all. And yes. the more that you feel a deep resonant sadness for people that have tried to strip you away from yourself and yeah. how much of your life you've sort of um, internalized that, you know? Yes. And I think, and I think it, I do believe actually that I realize it because the body I inhabit now after having a child is like a total, like I, there's all this pressure as women. Are you going to bounce back? Are you going to be like you were before? Well, I'm never going to be like I was before. I had my kid at 38. Okay. I was old and whatever. I mean, sorry, you know, blessings to all women who had their kids at like, you know, 49, but my experience at 38 was, was traumatic enough. And I just, and I think, you know, I, it's, it's probably been this year. This is like the first year. And part of it is doing the work I'm doing about the Syrian refugees that I'm looking at these women who have like six kids and nothing. They don't even have a backpack full. Of, they're like trying yes. to feed their children. And yeah. like, I'm looking at them and I'm like, am I looking at them and like wondering like, when's your tummy going to get better? You know, like whatever. I mean, this is that's exactly that right. bullshit exactly right. about that. And then to say like, I'm doing intellectual work. Why do I have to separate this all the time? Why do I have to have a situation where I'm hanging out with other mothers and they're all talking about, you know, they went to fucking CrossFit and then you're hanging out with like, you know, uh, ar- artists. <laughs> there are no CrossFitters are in the building. And then, but then, I mean, I think that that's, you know, and then, and then you hang out with artists who maybe don't have children and they're all like in the head. And I'm like, no, I want, I want all those things together. I want the messy body, I want the messy mind. I want it all together. 
because that is actually the experience that we have in the world, you know? Um, and what we need to share with our children, they, you know, in order to break this cycle, we need to engage with our children in a, in a way that works for them and for us. Mm -hmm. And it's not hiding all the things I mean, I don't know, growing up in the seventies, I felt like we hid a lot of things that wasn't polite to talk about even, but I mean, yeah. And, and that's seventies totally. are pretty progressive. Well, the 80, but, I mean, we really, we, yeah, we, we really were, were up in the eighties. We You're right. Don't fall when the seventies were over. Oh, you got, yeah, like you got the, you got the French. <laughs> Grace has been the whole week. Like just every once in a while, just like a little French here, a little French there. I'm like, Oh, hello. Hello. But, then. but that's yes. what makes it even more depressing though, is like, it was as recently as the eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many things that conditioned us to be the perfectly behaving victims that we later became because we believed all we had ingested all those ideas about how to be reduce our own space before any of the damage was inflicted. I I was such a good victim. I think that's one of the things that I came to this week in my writing. And, and I I got to a line in one of the essays I was writing that I'll, I'll probably never share anywhere, but it, but the line was something about like, I didn't even know how to be a good victim. Like, (laughs) like I didn't even know how to do that. Right. Um, but actually I did it great. Like I was really a great victim and cause I didn't, I owned that something had happened to me and that I was in the wrong place or, you know, all the, all the cultural myths I bought into because yeah, just because that's it. That's part of the reason that I, I, I just feel like this podcast is important because I think women just need to, I mean, men too, men who are really caretaking their kids and trying to make it work and working 20 jobs and being artists. I just, I think there's, we need to get past, um, it's like forgiveness, but also like get past, like, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be strong. Like all the, you gotta be, it's okay to be all those things. Like you do not have to choose. Um, and yeah. 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 And it's messy. It's super messy. When I was, I started my press six years ago and I would, I I go and speak a lot to other people who want to get into publishing or authors. And especially, um, in those early years, my message, now my message is all community and it always has been, but especially back then when I had little kids, I would talk about them climbing on the counters and how messy everything is. But it's okay because the alternative is not not creating art. It's actually walking away from what makes me yes. me. That's Just right. it's it's about taking that voice that I've already suppressed and made so small and hidden in a closet in my house growing up because I didn't feel like I could share my voice. Uh-huh. I just hid it on the pieces of paper or my journal or the, you know, in, in, inside the closet, I would write. And because I didn't think I had it now just to just pull it out and open it up and go like, okay. And get your novel out there. Yeah. That's going to be transformative. Yeah. I mean, all these years of all this potential building up and all this wanting to help people, but just the idea of going like, look, you want this path. That's right. That's so great. It's okay to be that it's messy. It's okay when it doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's okay to just be who you are out there in the world and be, you know, be an artist and it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. You guys are awesome. Thank you yeah. so much no, for you. talking no, with you. me. No, you, no, you. Wah, no, you. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, we're gonna, uh, at, per usual, I'm going to put beautiful thing, little links to their gorgeous work so you can check it out. And, um, thank you guys so much for listening and, uh, 
yeah, we're on all the usual things. Although, you know, as you guys have probably seen, I suck at keeping my blog up, but we <laughs> rock the podcast. We are on iTunes and soon to be Stitcher and a bunch of other good stuff. But mostly check us out on thickinthethirdhoney.com. We'll see you next month. Thank you guys. Thank you.